The San Francisco International Film Festival has opened its doors, presenting some of the best new films from around the world. When I noticed that Adam Agoyan was on the bill, I was especially excited. Adam Agoyan is an Armenian filmmaker, born in Egypt, raised in Canada, and I'm of Armenian descent. Like most Armenians, I feel a sense of kinship, almost inexplicable excitement when I meet another Armenian, especially a filmmaker I admire. I first interviewed Adam Agoyan seven years ago when his film Ararat was released. Like many of his films, Ararat represented the main character's attempt to understand a somewhat obscured past. It showed us a process of sifting through stories, memories, and history to come to a present understanding of a present condition. Sounds a bit complicated? Well, it is, as are most of Agoyan's films, to his admittance. There are layers and layers of meaning that we as viewers are invited to explore. His current film, Adoration, which is at the San Francisco International Film Festival, looks at similar themes. Who are we? What have we been told? What is truth? And how do we arrive at our own truth? In this case, however, the virtual world is involved. This is the story. A young teenager, Simon, is doing a translation exercise in French class. In the exercise, the teacher is relaying a news story in English as the students translate it into French. The news story is about a couple who have fallen pregnant. The woman is on a flight to meet her partner's family in Jerusalem, and unbeknownst to her, her husband has planted a bomb in her bag. The bomb never goes off, and the child is saved. In the French class, Simon takes on this story as his own and shares it with his friends as if it was his past. It goes viral, and suddenly Simon goes from being a student in a small high school to a world-known figure based on fabricated facts. What's our real identity? Is it separate from the one created online? And what are the dangers of this discrepancy? My name is Sani Katanjian. This is Sight Unseen, a weekly program that speaks with artists of all different mediums, uncovering the unseen sides of art and expression. I spoke with Adam Agoyan when he was here in San Francisco. Please stay tuned. Well, I think it'll be really interesting to screen to screen your film here now because you're in the center of technology and the use of technology as a means to communicate and join together. I mean, San Francisco is, is an epicenter of that. Mm-hmm. I mean, not to say that that's what your film is about, but that's a strong component of oh, it. Yeah, No, it's a huge component. I mean, I think it's, and it's also, um, you know, it's interesting to see someone move through that and then out of it, because I think, you know, the technology is an amazing way of initiating uh, a journey and, uh, you know, the, the access to different opinions and ideas and uh, uh, different types of information systems is just overwhelming. But, you know, for a young person who's trying to discover who they are, um, it's not going to be cathartic. It's the, the technology is not really designed to be cathartic. It can't really resolve because it's just so open, and that's the beauty of it as well. So at a certain point, he decides that he has to go beyond that and, and take these objects uh, and, and reformat them and, and actually create these physical rituals, which are really important, I think, and will always be important as part of our human condition. But, but I think the, what the technology opens up is really exciting for him 
and um, and essential because you know he's a young man who's been orphaned. You know he doesn't really know who his parents were. The only access point he has is this grandfather who idealizes his mother, who was this man's daughter. But the father's completely demonized, and that's all, that's all he's been raised with is that the father might have been responsible for this accident, might have created it intentionally, and he doesn't really know how to focus that. And because it's been suppressed, he he latches on to this other story that is presented inadvertently as a translation exercise. This 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 uh, story of uh, an actual story of this terrorist who who did this very extreme act and. Um, this character Simon begins to imagine that he is this person's son and it's a way of accessing this father image that he never had in this very wrong-headed way perhaps but it's also um, the only means he seems to have so it's uh, and then he puts it on the internet and and gets all sorts of different responses and it's a challenging film because I think it's in its essence it's it's a coming of age story, but it's it's dealing with a lot of other you know peripheral issues which the viewer has to assess, and it's also full of scenes which are not in any way conventional, you know, and and the audience has to also assess you know what the intention of these scenes are, and um, anyway, it's. The type of film I make. <laughs> exactly, it's exactly that's very true, and that's what's so beautiful about it is that it 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 doesn't um, it doesn't charge at you with what it's about. It allows you to unfold. You know, it, it allows you to allow it to unfold upon you. I mean, th- there's definitely that common thread of of Ogoyan films of understanding your roots, understanding who you are. I mean, Simon is definitely digging for that. He doesn't really know what he is and we tend to see ourselves amongst our our peers Mm -hmm. so there's a you know as you see each person him kind of trying to understand himself within that there was a very interesting scene where you um, compared a chat room of adults and a chat room of you know young people and how different they were how much more reserved the adults were but could you talk to me about? well I mean I think that that's particularly clear when you have uh, families communicating each other through Skype that you'll see the older members in a family are just much more awkward and and it's just a function of not quite understanding what the property is but also not having been raised in an image saturated culture you know like and any kid is is very aware of the performative aspect of what they who they are and matter of fact you could even say that they have two different personas i mean we notice that with our our son even that you know the the person that's texting is and and the relationship he has with his friends online is very different from the physical relationship he has and it's just it's 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 quite natural to have these you know this alternate persona and i think that's one of the reasons why simon is able to sort of create this avatar you know uh it comes from not only you know gaming sort of concepts but also just the reality of how these kids relate on net. We did a lot of research with this. I mean, we 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 went to these high schools and we went set up cameras, and I just wanted to see how kids would react to the story. You know, what if a friend of yours purported to be the son of of, of this terrorist, and then and then before I even finished explaining it, they were off and running, you know, and 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 they got that, and they were able to, and a lot of the things that you're seeing in the film with the with this high school students. Are, are not actors. Uh, the, it's just actually from those original research sessions, like choosing kids who were completely adept at, at, at going into these different concepts. And they all sound very considered, but they're not. And I think that's one of the issues about the internet is that it, 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 it a lot of people don't consider what they're putting out there because it's so spontaneous. Mm-hmm. And I think that comes to a peak in this film with the um, 
at one point there, uh, because the terrorist act uh, involved uh, a plane that might have exploded, but never did because the terrorist was caught before it could. But suddenly, when Simon put, presents this story, there's a community of people who who were on that plane, uh, whose lives might have been taken away, but weren't. But they suddenly uh, see themselves as victims. And, and uh, again, that's only possible through the net, where you know people could suddenly slip into this other zone and not consider the absurdity of what they're saying. I mean, they, these are not people who would get into a car and drive to a clubhouse and commiserate, but because they have such instant access um, and because the possibility is there, they can create this subculture. And, and, and that subculture won't persist. It'll evaporate as quickly as, as, as it's created. But for that moment, it feels real. And you know, it's, it's you. You put something out there, and it becomes a whole, a, a whole life of its own. In tandem with the spontaneity of it, it's just the way people grab it and kind of recreate it and recreate it again and again. I think Simon had no clue that it would have this sort of no. development. No, but it also, I don't think Simon has any clue as to why he's being uh, inspired to do this. I mean, you know, this is teacher who presents him with the story, who's also a drama teacher and inspires him to develop this persona. And she has a very specific agenda, which he also doesn't understand. And uh, we can't understand until it's revealed gradually in the film. But it's uh, the film is full of those things where people are behaving in ways that they can't really absorb. And some of it is their own action, like Simon, as you said. I mean, he doesn't really, he wants to publicize it for his friends. You know, he it doesn't, it's not supposed to go into the whole into the wide world, you know, but it does, and then he has to um, react to that. And uh, I think he figures out early on that, he, well, he stopped. I mean, because I think he goes into this very extreme place, and whether or not he will become as extreme as the character he's developing, uh, I think not. I think that you know, it's just something again that he's exploring because he's given that opportunity, he's given that room. You know, exactly. It's sort of. Before we used to wear different outfits, go through a punk phase, and then go through a, you know, possibly a drug phase or whatever it might be. And now maybe we, those are virtual phases that we go through. That's a very interesting way of looking at it. I do think we go through virtual phases, and I think that it's uh, they're compelling because they are very exciting, um, but it's not sustainable. It's just you know, uh, though. I think it settles down probably at one point, and it actually becomes a way that you might learn to communicate. I mean, clearly, in terms of um, the the way in which we're connected. But this idea of it actually... But I'm not so sure. You know, the, there are places... like in, I, um, There was this story uh, in Florida around the time we were shooting of this young woman who uh, had been raped, and, uh, you know, there was a trial. Do you remember this? And and, 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 and the, the assailant was found to be not guilty, and she was so outrage. I mean, she took it on YouTube and she just, you know, told her story and it was so emotionally convincing and it got all this response and people believed her. And uh, it was an incredible way for her to actually extract some sort of justice from this. So I'm not sure how she emerged from that or if she felt that this actually was able to give her any sort of indication. I, I don't know. I mean, it's it's uh it's it's an incredible instrument, but I still think that it doesn't resolve issues, you know. And probably she might have ended up more confused than she was, you know, when she started it. I'm not sure. I mean, it's uh, it, it is overwhelming to know that there is this this incredible possibility of response 
but at some point that still has to be made into something material i think it's just the way we're we're designed uh until such time as we evolve into some place where where we can exist only on that virtual plane what i liked about simon uh, now that i reflect back on it more is his reaction to when his story became really really big and when everyone was taking it very personally was somewhat aloof in the sense that he kind of thought well okay, look, that's your responsibility if you're going to take it that seriously. I've just put out a story. I'm just trying something else. Well, I think it's aloof because he's so aware with what it is he's really trying to find out, and no one's really addressing that, and they can't. I mean, they're on, they're spinning in their own circles, but he's really, he needs to find out who his parents are, and he has to deal with this incredible pain. And as diverting as these things might be, I mean, they, they're not really responding to what he's looking for, even though he may not know that's what he's looking for. And I think that that was important to kind of convey, that he's not the type of character who gets excited merely by the fact that other people are reacting to him. I mean, if he was that sort of a kid, then that would be uh, needed a different type of response. But that's not, he's, he's quite a soulful young guy who needs a specific response that he's not going to find on the internet. The, the reason why he's projected himself into this story is so specific that absolutely no one else can really understand it and he probably doesn't particularly understand it himself sabine might but she's not in a position to address that with her because of her uh, own issues and 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 um the ways she has to camouflage who she is so yeah it's it's a complex movie well, what I, you know i'm thinking about the first scene of um of simon uh, filming his his grandfather and the the sort of static nature of that small image on his digital camera and the dynamic nature of actual real life and all the inferences there are and, you know, the scent of the room or all these things that we miss out when we really believe the virtual or the recorded and not so much when we're living in in that sort of belief. Um, it was really, it was it was fantastic to see that dynamic. And I'm sure as a filmmaker, it must be interesting for you to, move between what you're what you're looking at in real time in real world and then how it gets drawn into this contained space and it it must that's confuse that. you as to what's real well that's a very interesting perspective about that so scenes i mean i think that it's uh i mean i think you know he just he wants something uh which is that he can archive where he has that final story and he goes to that room expecting he's going to get it and he doesn't you know and um and I, and and I think that you know he actually gets this very extreme statement, you know, which which you know he then um, uses as evidence for this purported story, and 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 ultimately it's the statement that he has to eventually erase from his own memory of what the father might have been. But but that's an interesting perspective. I mean, you're talking about it more from just the, the visual plan and 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 the way it's actually designed. And, uh, and of course, that's the big issue in terms of any film-making practice. There's an infinite number of places you could place your lens. There's an infinite number of ways you could frame a scene. And um, you choose one frame. And when a character within that frame chooses another, that's always fascinating. And I think that in a lot of the films I've made, you know, there are characters who are making directorial choices you know, uh, in terms of how to photograph either their lives or their family lives, sometimes how to photograph epic scenes. 
in, in a film that they're making or, you know, they're, that there are a number of people who are making decisions which are not dissimilar to the ones I'm doing. When I started making films in the mid-80s, that was a little contrived because, you know, uh, there weren't really that many opportunities. I remember when I made Family Viewing, I had to explain that the reason why the father had home videos was because he worked for the company that pioneered them or something like that. But that's obviously that technology has caught up and everyone can make images and everyone makes those decisions all the time. And not only that, but everyone becomes distributors. Everyone becomes, you know, capable of finding audiences for their work. And it's not rarefied anymore. And, and the world is not as divided as it was in the 80s between people who uh, had the privilege of making images and controlling those images and people who were condemned to just watch them. You know, like that, like now in our culture that uh, there's no exclusivity. And, and I think that's a good thing. You know, I mean, you can be nostalgic and, and, and it, it's wonderful, you know, and I think that's had very um, questionable effects on cinema culture. But, you know, in a larger sense in terms of, you know, democratization and, and the ability to exchange ideas, it's it's been... It's been extraordinary. And that's happened, of course, th through the Internet as well, this whole democratization of yeah. just being able to share ideas, being able to create networks, have friends, be very popular. It's, it's the, the access of being, to be, uh, being able to be on a similar plane. And, um, you know, it's, it's not class-based. It's not. Yeah, it's... Well, that, but then there are artists who are also dealing with the fact that there's still class, you know, issues. There's, there's a... An Indian artist uh, whose name escapes me, but you know, you know, who sets up these security systems of you know communities that are actually just a few blocks from each other and who are reacting in a closed circuit way. And you realize that you know we take it for granted that it's not class based, but of course in other cultures it still is. I mean, very much so. I mean, access to technology, especially in cultures that are very involved with you know the systems that in developing and or maybe manufacturing systems that we use in the West but don't actually have access to the, themselves. I mean, that's all very uh, loaded. And um, so there's mm -hmm. still these, you know, these global uh, inequities. But, you know, yes, it's true that within our own culture, I mean, there is that sense that uh, it's, it's not really class-based at all. That's true. I do always forget you actually need a computer. Yes. Uh, you know, and then, <laughs> and then I, you know. But, but, but they're trying to, you know, develop like, you know, like much, you know, like very inexpensive computers in these, some of these countries and so that people will have access, um, you know, to, to basic programs. But it's, yes, you know, it's one of these things we take for granted. You know, it's like uh, the equivalent of Marie Antoinette saying, well, let them eat cake. It's like, well, let them use their internet. And, well, they don't have an internet. So, yeah, yeah. When your son saw the film, did he? I mean, I'm assuming he did see it. Yeah, and it's one of the first films I made where he got to see it as, as I was making it because he's old enough. And yeah, no, he had a really emotional response. It was great, actually, his response to it. I mean, it was, uh, it was, uh, yeah. I, I, I was, I was, I mean, I. It's not necessarily that he identifies with, uh, you know, the, the characters because he's a little bit. You know, I guess now he's about their age, but he was younger, like last year when he saw the film. But, <laughs> but I think it was just the. The whole, you know, understanding what his parents do, and um, um, and and just the whole process of it, and uh, and 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 I think that you know the the type of storytelling, you know, like he he wants to write himself, and uh, you know it, it's you know seeing how much you invest of yourself in, in any story you tell. What did you learn about him in his reaction when you when you saw his reaction? What did you discover about him? Well, it's it's uh, something I already understood is that you know he's just you know very uh, attuned to 
you know, he's very sensitive to, to complex stories, and you know, he has a, he, he has a great attention span, uh, which is different from a number of his friends. But he's seen <laughs> a lot of difficult movies. I mean, that's one of the things that we did was to show him, you know, films that were challenging, and um, so he has no problem with uh, pacing and uh, you know, not necessarily following certain formulas. I don't necessarily know if it was the type of film that he would go and see on his own. Um, but it's it's it, he certainly is able to read it. And what I'm realizing that there's something with this film, which is my twelfth feature that I'm coming to an end with, and I'm not quite sure where I evolve next. But I started writing plays when I was 15 at school, and I just got very consumed with this idea of being able to create these narratives. And and this film is very much based on a reflection of seeing uh, Arshil become 15 and and think about if I was 15 now I wouldn't be satisfied with writing plays for friends and parents but I would want to put it on the net and 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 now that you know we've got to this place where I'm now creating a character who is like I was at that point I'm not I, I sort of feel like some sort of cycle has come to some sort of an end I'm not quite sure where that where one goes after but it's it's mm -hmm. been it's been interesting and also there's been a movement in my sort of, you know, the way these technologies were dealt with in the earlier films and, and now I think there's a much there's a much more optimism about about what they suggest, you know, and that, that people can actually make the decision. Though, though that was there in the in family viewing though as well. I mean where you had a character in, in eighty six who used the technology which was actually set up to oppress him and kind of like destroy his history but he was able to actually claim what he needed to find out who he was and I think that that's something that is similar in that character of Vaughn and this character of Simon. Well I mean I, when you speak about things coming full circle I think you know I think it's always interesting to well to one be able to present your work to your to your child someone asked me, who would I want to be recognized by most? Someone mm -hmm. asked me. And I don't have children yet, and I said, mm -hmm. well, my, my children. So when you're, there's something about coming, show, A, seeing yourself mm -hmm. in your child in a very, you know, in a, in, a, in a very tangible way, that where you would be at their age, not like, you know, eight, eight and playing right. around, but right. really understanding yourself. And then B, to be able to present something to, to them and actually see their reaction. Yeah, I mean, again, I mean, Yes, but you don't want to also project too much, and you don't want that to become uh, too much of a burden for them either. Though this is a whole conversation we have. I mean, maybe you do. Maybe that's good to have that. I, I'm just aware of, you know, you want to have expectations of a child, but you don't want it, those expectations to um, also um, traumatize them, obviously. So mm -hmm. it's, 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 a, it's a tricky balance. Well, very much so. It's parenthood. Yeah. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> um, so when I was um, when I was doing doing research about you online, you know, all these things, all these different things came up. So once someone called you an Egyptian filmmaker, um, someone said you're an Armenian filmmaker. There were quotes that had been isolated, and I mean, I know that again, it's it's actually just the fact that it's from print to the computer. It's not so much about the online world, the virtual world. But there is this sort of who are you kind of situation when you're, when you're a persona right. online. Yeah. Do you have a, a dual, tri or quadruple personas that you play with, whether it be here or virtually? And are they created by you? Are they created by others? 
Well, I, I do think that part of the experience of being uh, an immigrant and coming to a country um, and uh, figuring out how to assimilate um, uh, teaches you that that character or personality uh, is a construct at some level. Um, and especially, you know, my parents' decision to move to Victoria, British Columbia, which is a small city on the west coast of Canada, and there was no Armenian community there. So uh, they were very assimilationist. And so I, even though Armenian was my mother tongue, and so I had this very strong relationship with my grandmother, you know, that was something that I, I, I wanted to be like everyone else. And so you, you learn how to become that way. And and as to whether or not that becomes ever becomes completely natural is is an issue. You know, it's 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 uh, and it's very specific to the way I was raised, and it's very different from the way most Armenians are raised. And certainly, my cousins who came at the same time to Canada were raised in Montreal, where they were raised in a community. So, um, you know, it, it depends. I mean, they have their own issues, I suppose, because they're being raised in with three cultures in in Montreal, say between. Uh, French through the Quebecois sort of culture and English and and Armenian. So, I mean, I think we are all, you know, a series of composites. And the question is, you know, do any of those individual templates emerge and do they become separated? And they probably do at certain points, depending on, we you know, what we're going through. If that happens all the time, it's dangerous because it becomes quite schizophrenic, of course. But there are probably moments when we can and need to uh, be different personalities. And uh, I don't know whether or not that's a natural process or it's just a survival mechanism, and maybe it's both. And do you still find that you discover new parts, I mean, new personas, new new, yeah. new personas within yourself, or do you feel like you've kind of, you know, I, I, you know, I'm Armenian, as you know, and... My family's from Lebanon, and they're French-educated, and they speak, you know, Turkish as well. So there are all these, and they live in America now. There are all these things going on, and I completely resonate and understand. Mm. Um, and I often wonder, is my mom still discovering another Christine within her, or mm. is my father discovering mm. another Ara within him? Do you find that there are these other Adams that you discover now that we can actually create or things can be created about us? Well, I mean, you, you certainly discover ones that other people are creating about you when, uh, I mean, to me, the most shocking one, I think, was when Arad came out. And I don't know if you read any of that literature, but there's a Turkish site which analyzes and presents uh, a version of who I am, which is kind of shocking and, and interesting, though. Um, it's at, uh, There's a site called uh, Turkish Review. And there's like, it's pages of this sort of analysis of, you know, the transformations in my life and what happened to me when I met my wife and, you know, how, and it's it's really weird because it's very, it's studied. It has a very political reason that they're presenting it. Uh, and it's troubling because their theory is that um, I'm somehow um, a decoy, that my entire setup as an artist is actually to uh, extend a, a political agenda and that it's, it's somehow uh, designed uh, and, 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 and they're trying to kind of call the bluff. But it's, it's really weird because it's, it's, it's actually serious. And uh, um, I think that's one of the more extreme examples. And it could only happen, you know, in the political context of... Uh, of, of Armenian-Turkish relations, probably, but it, it, it's still, 
Um, interesting that, and, and it's a mild form perhaps of what any uh, what a celebrity goes through, you know, where people are analyzing uh, why they act the way they do. I mean, fortunately, I'm not in that zone, but I was from a certain Turkish perspective around the time of Arat, certainly considered uh, very threatening. So, um, you know, uh, I don't know if, 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 but, and as a result of that, you, you certainly, um, you know, you want to dismiss it, but it's also an interesting thing to actually, you know, look at a, an alternate version of who you are. And certainly we go through that every time we form a new relationship. I mean, we are seeing ourselves through that other person. You know, we're guarding ourselves or we're opening ourselves up. I mean, that's just the nature of, of, of human relations. And it's certainly something that comes up a lot in the films, you know, the in essential mystery of those, you know, meetings between individuals, between two, two people, and what has to be negotiated. It's exactly what I think it's, it's completely what comes up for Simon is this, you know, really seeing himself through these other eyes and ultimately, like you say, having to let all that go and have something more tangible. Yeah. yeah. Those were the words of filmmaker Adam Agoyan speaking about his film Adoration. To learn more about the film and all of Agoyan's other work, please visit egofilmarts.com. My name is Sonia Katanjian. This is Sight Unseen, shedding light on the creative world through candid conversations with the artists of our time. You're listening to Resonant, 104.4 FM, the UK's first radio art station. <laughs>